1: Welcome to the Circuit Success Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today, man, we go back in time with my childhood friend, Chris Hollander. How you doing, Chris?
0: I'm doing great, man. Doing great. How are you?
1: Awesome. I'm doing well. I was, uh, I was fired up this morning when I got up and knew I got to chat with you for a while today on here. <laughs> so it's been a while, and... Uh, and we go back to like grade school. And uh, for those of you that may not know who Chris Hollander is, Chris Hollander is the new assistant coach for the Missouri Tigers. And I'm going to get some grief on this one for even interviewing somebody from Mizzou in you know in Lioneye Country in St. Louis. You know we got we got Mizzou and Lioneye. So my friends here are going to give me hell, but uh, that's all right. That's all right. Um, so anyway, man, I'm happy you're here. And this is a quick story about Chris. And you may remember this Chris, but I, I will say if I can say one thing about Chris Hollander, it is the guy has got the work ethic of, like, I've never seen before. So you you have there's people with talent, and then there's people with talent and work, and Chris has that. Us kids, man, we would drive, and we'd play basketball and golf and football and all that stuff in the neighborhood, but but Chris had a drive to him where he literally – would have lawn chairs set up in the driveway. And do you remember this?
0: i do <laughs> keep going. I don't, yeah, you'll have to refresh my memory. It's been a long time. So Chris
1: would have lawn, lawn chairs set up while the rest of his kids are running around driving, riding bikes, being crazy around the neighborhood while we grew up. And Chris would have broomsticks taped to the lawn chairs with the broom part up in the air so it was taller for him to drive around and to shoot over. And, man, I remember that, though, seriously, Chris, like it was yesterday. Just the work ethic that you had, and, and you were a great – College, I mean high school basketball player, went on and played at Evansville. It was phenomenal to watch you from afar growing up, man. So I've talked enough, but I just want to thank you for being here today, and uh just want you tell our listeners who Chris Hollander is and what's made you the man you
0: are today to be a you know Division one basketball coach in the SEC. Well, it's funny, it's funny you bring up that old stuff. Uh, I always remember that it was it was there was always a bunch of us. We were fortunate to grow up and kind of a right on the borderline of that old school, get out of the house, go play, They're not allowed in the house mentality when we were kids. And we were fortunate, you and I were fortunate, to grow up in the neighborhood where there was a bunch of people our age that were really involved in sports. And um, But the one thing that was really important, I think, in our community, Brad, and you can kind of touch on this if you want to, is the people around the kids when we were growing up really cared about making kids better. And yeah. We were fortunate to have parents, coaches, neighborhood parents that not only cared about the kids, but cared about the kids enough to tell them the truth all the time and hold them accountable and things of that nature. And, you know, our high school coach, Steve Conlon, you know, he comes to mind. he, He worked his way up. Um, through the ranks in the mattoon school system the seventh and eighth grade coach and then the freshman coach, my freshman coach and then he got to be the varsity coach uh my senior year which would have been your junior year correct oh, or is that, is that correct your yeah. sophomore year you, i think sophomore year sophomore year yeah because you and jessica are in the same class so yeah but yeah. that's the one thing that always stood out to me about and maybe it was all small towns in America at the time, but we got the opportunity to compete against each other in a closest setting in the neighborhoods, and we always had fun doing it. And it would get if there'd be a lot of ang- anger, there'd be a lot of fun, but competition. But the, everybody was always there playing, whether it was golf, whether it was basketball, it didn't matter. What it was, everybody seemed to be around all the time. And then the people around us in the community, uh, the teachers, um, the coaches. I felt, in my opinion, really did a great job of trying to help the kids get to what they get to where they wanted. And Steve Conlin, for me, was instrumental because you know we talk about the work and stuff when you're growing up as a player and you're trying to attain this goal. My goal was to be a Division One basketball player at the time, and nobody spent more time with me uh, than as an adult than Steve Conlin. And those are kind of the things looking back on how we grew up in, in little old Mattoon, Illinois, which is his home. When I talk about home, that's home for me. I know it's home for you. I know your your folks. Yeah. Everybody's there. And and but Steve Conlon, and there was some. There's a lot of people involved. But he really for me was a driving force in my life to grow. And uh, sometimes work ethic is learned, and sometimes it's learned through forced repetition. And when you're coached hard and you're held accountable and you're coached hard, it can become habit. And that's what that's where it started for me. Um, yeah and and believing in myself and and i think he did a great job for a lot of people and it wasn't for everybody but it drove me and that was it was awesome and really really we should, you and i and everybody that's that kind of grew up in that time we should, were are all pretty lucky and fortunate to have each other and the people that helped us. absolutely man i couldn't agree more we are who we are because of the people we surround ourselves with
1: right and so and i think you know you're known for your passion of the game and uh that's what's you know kept you going all these years so Kind of walk our listeners through your. You, you know, you went to Evansville. Um, you know, I remember one of the one of the times uh, watching you in, in college, and I think it was in the NIT tournament, maybe, and you dropped like forty points on who's the guy in Indiana.
0: Oh, uh, I don't remember, man. So long yeah. ago. Somebody
1: in Indiana, you were playing, but I just remember I was in college. I mean, that's my boy. That's my boy. He's playing, <laughs> dropping forty on somebody in Indiana. It was
0: awesome. So, but anyway, man.
1: So you, you know, you played at Evansville, and then you played a little bit professionally, and, and then uh, walk us through your coaching career. And what, what it's been like to travel down that road of coaching and continue to have the passion uh, for the college game of basketball.
0: Well, I tell everybody this all the time. I, I'm one of the I, I'm fortunate to have played for and worked for um, people that um, I know trust and I know they have um, my best interest and my family's best interest at heart. And it started out over with- with playing at Lakeland you know with for coach Dudley and coach Dudley yeah. was coach Dudley was a, a great mentor for me even though I was there one year he built a, a we built a great relationship he um, he got me out of my comfort zone as far as conditioning and taking a step into college where no one else really believed in in me coming out of high school you know uh, as far as college coaches go and, and coach Dudley stuck his neck out and really really pushed me and, and challenged me and then I was fortunate enough to go play from Lakeland to go play for Jim Cruz and I tell everybody this to the to this day a lot of people have different experiences in their college playing career and if i could go back and do it all over again i'd do the exact same thing i did uh, because wow. jim cruz jim Cruise is the reason that i wanted to be a basketball coach jim cruz steve conlin those guys because of the way they coached me and the passion that they coached me with and the, the how much time and effort they invested in me they really opened my eyes to to they showed me what it what you could do for other people through basketball and, obviously, basketball has been a um, – it's helped me. We've been able to do a lot of things, you know. Um, so I'm rambling a little bit. But Jim Cruz was, you know, when he recruited me, Brad, he said, you know, he's like – I'm not—is like maybe the worst recruiting p- pitch of all time. He's like, I don't know if you'll play. I don't know if you'll start. I don't know if you'll be an all-league guy. I, 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 he goes, I can't recruit that way. He goes, the only thing I can promise you is that I will have a relationship with you for the rest of your life after you graduate from college. Wow. And I kind of – my mom leaned forward in the chair and I leaned back, you know, and it, it, it was – but stayed strong on that promise to this day. In fact, I just had lunch with him last weekend in Indianapolis when I was up there recruiting. He lives in Indianapolis now. So that part of it really, really resonated with my family. But as you get older, you, you understand how important that is, and it really helped me process. So after Evansville, I was fortunate to play a little bit in some, you know, just some minor leagues, overseas, professional uh stuff it was fun i did it while i was young uh actually tried to venture after i was done playing i tried to venture into the financial world and i was in it for about six weeks uh, just it was, <laughs> it, it, it was it's awesome you know i went through all the hard stuff i took all the tests the series seven all that, all that stuff passed it and then when i got done i was like man i can't do this <laughs> i didn't think i could do it right. you know I was young, I, you know we were going through things with my father, and um yeah. it was just a confusing time so then I was coach Cruz calls me in two thousand and uh two is April He says hey i'm I'm going to West Point. Would you like to go with me? and boom that was it i didn't I didn't yeah. know what the salary was i didn't know what the I didn't know what West Point was I didn't know anything except for I was going with a guy that I had great admiration for and loved and cared for, and uh he was giving me an opportunity to do something that I knew I wanted to do even when I was a player. So that's how I got into coaching. Yeah, uh, yeah. From, from I was at West Point for seven years, had great seven years there. West Point's one of the most important places in America one of the most beautiful places in America. Um, the, the, the kids, the cadets there are off the charts. Uh, they're kids, and they make mistakes just like any other kids do, growing, and but they're off the charts and what they go on to do for our country. Um, you know, you could do a whole segment on that. Uh, there, yeah. but it's, it's a big-time big, big time place, and everybody needs to go out there and see it and appreciate what, what that is. And then from Evansville, excuse me, from West Point, I got a chance to go back and work for Marty Simmons at Evansville. Uh, Marty was my assistant coach when I was a player at Evansville. And for people in Illinois, everybody knows who Marty Simmons is arguably oh, yeah. the best high school basketball player in the history of the state, Lawrenceville, Illinois, two state championships, legendary, but, as good a human being as there is, as good a teacher of life as there is. And he and Coach Cruz, I put those two guys on a pedestal because those guys have really taught me about a lot of stuff basketball-wise, but most importantly about how to be a man, how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. Um, And those are things that are the most important things, right? So uh, I was fortunate to work for him for three years, get back to my alma mater. Evansville is an awesome place. Brad's an awesome community. The the basketball program is, is storied in tradition, um, and Marty is as good a coach there is in college basketball to this day. From Evansville, I went to Mississippi State for three years. Worked for my very good friend Rick Ray. Uh, we were there three years, uh, and then the previous two after Mississippi State, um, I went from Mississippi State to UMKC, where I worked for where I worked for my college roommate Kareem Richardson, another great yeah. guy. As people in Mattoon will remember him um a great college player won a national championship as a coach at louisville has done a fantastic job at umkc taking a it's a it's a difficult job with limited resources and he took this he's taking this program to new heights second most wins all time last year and uh, fantastic staff great group of guys over here at umkc and then then leads me to where I am today at Mizzou. So it's been, it's like I said, though, it's been fun, but the most, the, the cool thing for me, and I'm, I'm probably in the minority when it comes to this. I've been able to step into positions and been asked to move into positions where, I'm working for somebody that knows me intimately and has great trust and the relationship has already been built. So it's an easy seamless transition from job to job. So
1: well, I think, too, awesome. you know, we compare that, we compare that to the, the business world, right? Of our if people that are listening or a lot of business people, entrepreneurs, whatever it may be. And, Maybe there's some college coaches listening, to this, especially Chris Hollander's talking. They probably are. But uh, point being is, is I think we can all draw the same comparisons in business and in college basketball. It, you, you've been talking about it, right? It was trust. It was a relationship. It's,
0: it's values aligned. I mean, that's what it was all about, right? Absolutely. And I think that – I think – um, Obviously, trust the most important thing. You know, I tell everybody all the time, uh, and I, and you hear a lot of different things and you learn a lot from different people. Uh, one of the best things I've ever learned from Coach Cruz is, is, uh, there's nothing more important in life than being a great, right? So, and that's all encompassing. So if you're living every day, I don't care what you do. You're a firefighter, you're a teacher, you're a basketball coach, a financial world, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're living every day and your whole purpose in life is to be a great teammate, that means be a great husband, be a great father. Uh, You're you're doing everything in your power to be ethical and high character and, and living every day through your job. It's all encompassing. And if that's the mentality that an approach can have, then you'll gain that trust that we're talking about. And, and you'll gain that trust from a lot of people so then people won't hesitate when it's time for them to put you in position to be whatever position it could be, you know, an assistant yeah. coach, head coach in my world, um, in wow. our world, excuse me. Um, but that, 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 that less me, Brett, it, it stands the test of time. And it doesn't matter. I tell everybody, man, if it comes, nothing, there's nothing more important to me than being a great husband, a great father being a college basketball coach is not more important than being a great husband and a great father. And I think Couldn't when agree you more. think like, I think when you think like that, your work, the work that you do every day, you become more focused on exactly what you have to be and what you have to get done daily because you know so what. on that for a minute.
1: So staying on that for a minute. Uh, so when you think about that, I mean, how do you define success each day? I mean, you know, I've got my little scorecard thing. I call it my dashboard. But how do you, how do you define success each day? Are you a guy that's writing things down, got goals in front of your face all the time or are you a guy that's you know just kind of how you feel at the end of the day how do you how do you define success in your life
0: um success for me um, happiness in my home is the ultimate success for me, for my son, my, my twins. Uh, and, but, but most importantly, my wife, you know, every day you go in the office, you write things down you have goals and professionally you have goals. And I, I'm going to keep going back to this because I think Brett to me, and maybe I'm old school or maybe I'm, maybe this is not what everybody wants to hear, but I think when you are happy and you're in, you, when you walk in the door after work and everything in your home is, it's not always going to be perfect. Don't get me wrong. I got that. But when you have, a, when you have a, a great marriage, you know you're doing your best as a father because that's all you can do, right? It's like Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the best. I, I, look, I look up at what Nick Saban does as a coach. I don't know him personally. But the things that he says as a coach – they really I, I, they stick to me. So, for example, he says, it takes what it takes to win a championship. It doesn't take more. It doesn't take less. It takes exactly what it takes. You're going to make mistakes the, the, the right down the line, but you have to do what it takes to win that championship. And I think you have to do what it takes every day in your personal life to win professionally. So defining success for me is my children are happy, my wife is happy, we have a great relationship, and we have the ability to tell each other the truth on a day-to-day basis and grow as a family. That's success for me. That's beautiful. That's very, very good. Good explanation of that,
1: man. So how do you, obviously you're, you're traveling the country, you know, you're, you don't have a, you know, 30, 40, 50 hour a week job, right? I and mean, you've got a job that is, is very, uh, it's a huge time commitment and which is tough, right? For traveling and family and all that kind of stuff. But so I want to talk a little bit about how do you find balance in your life to stay focused on the family like that? And then also how do you though, then take the time when you're not trying to recruit some kid or you're traveling, doing whatever. How do you stay a student of the game to stay up on the latest and greatest and be the best Chris Hollander that you could possibly be?
0: Um, you know, technology has really allowed coaches to move, and it's not like it was when I got started. So everything you do uh, basketball-wise and video-wise is done on a computer now, a laptop, so you can take all your work with you. You can work on planes. You can work on um, in, in the home. When your family goes to bed at night, you have to carve some time. You have to be willing to sacrifice your comfort uh, to make sure that you do those things in your home. So, for example, I, I, I come home. You know, when I was at UMKC, we practiced early. Uh, I worked for a guy who has great trust in me, so I had the ability to go home some at a normal time when we were not recruiting or whatever. And then you spend time in, engaging in your home. And then when everybody else is asleep and everybody goes to bed, then you have to spend some time, the time that you lost during the day, or you feel like you lost during the day working, you know, and and working on not only yourself but your job. And I spend a lot of time listening to the podcast when I travel to work. When I drive into work. I spend a lot of time on the phone with other coaches, just trying to pick, you know, pick their brain, develop relationships, network. Uh, but none of that stuff will get in the way of my relationship with my kids and uh, and my wife. And if that means I'm going to be a little bit more tired at the end of the, at the uh, at the beginning of the day in the morning when I have to take my son to school, no problem. That means I'm getting a little less sleep than other people. Who it, I'm fine with that because you've never heard anybody say they spent too much time with their kids. <laughs> You know what I mean? No. Like, no. I keep going back. To, I keep going back to it. And, but, but there's there's enough. There's there's plenty. We're well, 168 hours in a week, right? So, right. You know, th- th- there's a there's a lot of time wasted in the day that you could be using if you organize hourly, use that extra time to spend on your family and yourself. We have a little company, Brett, called Rising Coaches. There's three three or four guys. There's three of us. And, and there's a fourth guy that really helps us um, but we are a, um, we're basically a professional development company for college coaches and high school coaches around the country and um, we have a conference every year this will be our eighth year this summer. It's been awesome. We get we, we've helped a lot of guys especially especially guys starting but we've had all we've had head coaches we've had assistant coaches and it, we, we don't make any money we, we're, we're, we're specifically doing this to better, our profession, and when I talk to the group every, when I've spoken to the group in the years that I've spoken, the one thing I tell everybody is, you know, the most important project you can work on every day is yourself, and and, and that's in whatever walk of whatever thing, whatever it is, if, if you're working on uh, um, relationship building. Well, then you got to spend an hour on the phone, grinding it out, calling people, introducing yourself, talking to people, getting connected. If, if that's what you feel like you need to grow at, then you need to work at that daily. But if there's something every day that you can work on for yourself. I tell those guys that because what happens in our business is we a lot of guys waste time during the day because uh, and they waste time on other things that shouldn't be as important as yourself. They worry about other things. They're working on... And I tell everybody that, so I think that's the most important thing daily is you're working on yourself. You cannot forget get to work on yourself daily five minutes an hour three hours to have a family if you don't have a family whatever it is i think it's important
1: yeah i mean i think you know one of the things i always talk about is you know as a leader of an organization with whether it's our clients or our, our advisors or our, our teammates uh even just friends we, we got to slow down to speed up right because i mean in this fast-paced world that we live in that we want what we want like five seconds ago, right? We wanted it five seconds ago is I have found the best thing for me is I, and people that know me well, I I have this black journal that's with me everywhere I go. And, I have to slow down and spend time with myself, my brain, and this journal, and and just slow down so I can ultimately hit and be the best you know dad, you know husband, uh, yep. son, friend, leader that I can possibly be. But so many people think they just got to live in this fast paced
0: world. They don't slow down to do that, right? So yeah, there's there's crazy. no doubt. I think Tony LaRusso had a great quote. I'm gonna butcher it. It's three lines. <laughs> And I had it. I had it taped on my desk at West Point, and I need to get it back up on my desk in, in Missouri. Is slow down to stay on top of it, to stay ahead. Some, some along those lines. Yes. Yeah. And I can't remember. It was in his, It was in a book that I read about it. But book he wrote, yeah. Yeah. But some, some guys. The, the, a lot of the successful people that we perceive to be successful, that they've been successful championship wise and on the on the fringe, they they get that right. They get that. And then they also understand that when it's time to go, they got to go, they have to do what it takes. You know, there's a reason, there's a reason that, uh, Bill Belichick's on top of his game. Right, he slows down enough to enjoy the championship. The championship's done. It's over with. It's over with. That year is over with, and we are on to the next one. And now, what do we got to do to win the next one? You know, he doesn't. He, he he doesn't. He doesn't dwell on it. He doesn't gloat. He doesn't pout. If it doesn't happen, he just moves on to the next thing, and is driven to get to the next thing. And uh, so, that I think guys have the ability to slow down and, and understand what they've done, see what they've done. And then now let's go on to the next thing. What would you say is um, – uh,
1: and look at this from the lens of, of the business world but also in the coaching world is how do you develop key partnerships? I mean, if you look at – you know, if I if I don't know this, so if I state anything wrong, uh, well, one, we could edit it out, but I don't think I'm going to from a recruiting standpoint is you have to develop relationships, right, with AAU coaches or high school coaches or whatever that is. So take that kind of lens and use that in the business world. I mean, what, what recommendation would you have for our listeners on – how do you go out and develop
0: the key relationships where you're the trusted advisor for people? I think the truth. I think the truth is 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 the most important thing. And we live in a society today where the truth has become basically, like, frowned upon. And when it, whether it's parenting, coaching, uh, because of the results of holding people accountable, I think the truth is the most important thing. And you can talk to anybody you want to, and you do it in your in your line of work, and I do it in my line of work. But the number one thing that people will tell you they want is the right. so you have to give it to them and you have to be you have to be willing to accept what the result of that conversation or that development of that relationship is gonna be because when it comes back on you and you've told him the truth then that's when the respect and the trust grows good bad indifferent it doesn't matter but i i can't tell my son when he's 16 years old not to drink and i'm sitting there drinking beer in front of him every night drinking's bad for you it's bad for you it's bad for you don't do it it's illegal number one for you but it's it's no good for you and then i'm over on the couch drinking beer yeah. I mean, it just and when it comes to relationship building like that um, I think in all walks of life. I don't think it, I don't think it has. Any, it's not specific to any profession. Uh- any type of relationship it's not specific to anything but i think that's the most that is the most important thing when developing relationships. relationship they have to see and the second thing is they have to see that you're willing to work to help everybody involved you know a lot of times they'll call you for something they either want to they want to do two things they want to help themselves or they want to help you right and absolutely what 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 our jobs our jobs are number one is to help you so when we say that say those things and then we turn around and after we build a relationship, let's say we do get a kid to come and play for us, it doesn't matter where it is. This is coaching in general. This is not specific to a school they, we do get a young man to come play for us and we do what we say we are going to do then the relationship grows because that you told them the truth what happened what you said happened was going to happen what's going to happen happens and now you've built that relationship and yeah that's key that's key man it's, what uh you know most, most people want to thing. talk about their i'm sorry so that's the problem
1: with these conference calls right we talk over each other but uh you ever seen that live uh, live conference call on YouTube? You ever, if nobody's ever watched that, I think it's the funniest thing ever if you're on conference calls. But anyway, I digress. But uh, <laughs> so, what have you found, uh, Chris, to be? Uh, I, let me ask a different question first. So everybody wants to talk about their success, um, but how do you, how do you battle through the struggle? So say there is that kid that you think, man, we're going to get this kid. He's going to be the great, you know, the next greatest point guard on our team, and and oh my gosh, he signed with you know college X. I mean, how do you get yeah. through disappointments and again through the business lens of that i mean what
0: recommendations would you have for people if if you're if you're putting in if it's if it's a, there's a difference between an f a dishonest f and an honest f okay if if you don't yeah. study i keep going back to my nine-year-old here if he doesn't study his spelling words and he fails the test can't be disappointed it's like when i go out and play golf brett and i i hit trees every time or the water i'm slicing i'm shanking blah, blah, blah. I don't work at golf. Right, right. I don't work at. I don't go out and practice golf. So if I go out and fail at golf, I can't be sad. I got to enjoy being out there with friends and family or whatever it is when I when you do get the opportunity to go do something like that. So I think I think to answer your question. I think if you honestly have worked your rear end off to do the best job that doesn't go your way, you have to look at it. You have to see where you feel like you may have had a disconnect or missed something, or didn't. But, but honest, your honest effort was there, and you just got to go do the next right thing. You can't, you can't, you can't sit there and go, oh man, and pout and feel bad for yourself. Hey, you know what? I failed. I gave an honest effort. I gave did I do my best? Because that's all I got is my best. And if it was my right. best, that's an honest failure. Now, if I didn't do my best and I, there was something I didn't do and I know I didn't do it, then that's on that and then you have to go back and reevaluate your yourself, right? And, and I think, I think it happens in academics with guys. We deal with guys all the time. Man, I, I thought I did good on that test. Did you study? Did you miss, did you miss a tutoring thing? Did, well, then that's a dishonest F. You haven't been totally honest with yourself in the process. Get to, Hey, everybody fails. So how do you, how do you distinguish between an honest failure and a dishonest failure? And I think that's the key. And, and and when you do dis when you do honestly fail at something, which we all do every day, every day, then you have to do the next, right. You have to go do the next right thing that's in front of you and and be great at the next thing you have the opportunity to be great at yeah, yeah i think too we've had some uh, professional baseball players on here and, and they talk about short-term
1: memory too right and i think about that yeah. in the business world right if something doesn't go my way i can dwell on it and make it ruin my day my night my week my month my quarter or or i can just get over it right i mean there's, there's things right. that happen and i'm I, it. And I get excited about things too. So if something doesn't happen, I, I feel like I get dropped harder because I get so excited and, and engaged <laughs> and involved in stuff. But you got to have a short-term memory and just get over it and move on. So
0: yeah, where and do I you find your have, motivation and drive? Um, you know, I was, you know, I, I remember when I was when I was a child, I was five, six, seven years old. I remember getting up at four in the morning and my dad having to take us to my grandmother's house. You know, and and he had to, we had to be dropped off there. Uh, because both my mom and dad were going to work at four in the morning. My dad was blue collar, he changed tires, his hands bled. And then my mom was a blue collar nurse. She, you know, she's my mom has since retired from nursing, but um, I think living, breathing examples around you, you see that every day. You know, everybody has different examples. My dad my dad went into work. My dad didn't know a stranger uh, and he never complained about going to work every morning at five in the morning and getting off at six at night and doing it over and over again, because he really, he loved, it. he had passion for, he had passion for selling tire, you know, and that's really cool. And, um, that is cool. and, and um, so I think those, those examples, uh, my mother, obviously very hard workers she, she did a great job raising raising a family uh, did everything she could in her power to help us grow so my parents gave me a great base they gave me a great base they showed they showed us all um, that, that that going to, that doing things hard, uh, will ultimately pay off in the end and, and to give you great joy and great happiness. You know, I don't think my dad ever had a day where he went to quote-unquote work, yeah. you know. And I, I, I think you you found that in your life, kind of following your career here, and I know I have. Uh, I, I go to the office, it's awesome. I, I don't even yeah. know what going to the office means, you know, because right. I've been fortunate to fall into something that I have a great passion for. And I think for me, as a parent, that's the one thing I want for my children as well is I want them to find their passion. And if they find their passion, they're going to be happy, man. What's well, cool now,
1: you know, your mom is uh, down here uh, in the St. Louis area. So I occasionally bump into your mom and I see your sisters. <laughs> so that's pretty cool, yeah, man. Ba- yeah, from ba- being back there. home, they're like, ba- yeah, I saw Meredith at a Cardinal game last year and her little babies and all that stuff. So it's, it's cool yeah. to get to see them again and stuff like that. So what's your what's your morning routine look like? Are you a routine guy? I mean, as far as like, whether that's reading or working out, out or,
0: you know, how do you feed the positive dog every single day? Um, uh, I try to get in every morning and write notes, um, 15 minutes to 20, 25 minutes of just handwriting notes to people. I think it's a lost art. I think it's something that's important. And I think you can, you can get your feelings out and you can get your, uh, your gratitude out to people, even if it's just checking in to say hi. Uh, I, I try to write notes every day, and I, I've done a, I've, I've in this transition, it's been a little bit scrambled for me. Uh, but I think it's important that – and it's a lost art, you know, with, with the onset of technology and our ability to communicate with each other through – I mean, FaceTime is like the greatest thing ever for parents, right? Like, especially for yeah. a guy like me that's on the road recruiting or maybe I'm gone now, I'm gone now, and I don't get to see my, my kids, you know, because I'm, I'm out watching an AAU tournament or whatever. I get home or I can grab lunch. I go to Starbucks and bam, I get on FaceTime. I can see my kids. They can see me and we can talk. With the onset of technology, I think, you know, handwritten letters are something that I think people greatly appreciate them. I I, I don't think that there's a person on earth that will tell you that if they get a handwritten note thanking them or I'm thinking of you or hope everything's well, just checking in, that that doesn't make them feel good, that someone would take the time to write a handwritten note, put it in the mail, send it to them. So I, that part of my day, I, I try to do that almost every day. I don't get it done every day, but that's every day I come in, I try to put something in the mail for somebody. That's good. That's, uh, it is lost, man. It's, uh, it's important
1: stuff. And it does. Like you said, I think, too, I was thinking when you were saying that, I'm like, you also, how many people you get mail and you throw it to the side like you don't read it, but you don't ever just throw a handwritten note to the side. That you take the time right. and you read that thing, <laughs> yep. and usually you keep yep. it for a while too. Um, yep. That's good, man. So, what's yep. your purpose now? So, if somebody says, "What's Chris Hollander's purpose?" I mean, on Earth, and I think I know the answer is going to be, you know, be the best dad, be the best husband, yep. be the best coach. But I mean, what, what's
0: your uh, what's your vision long term, man? Um, you know, all those things that you just talked about are uh, the, the my driving force. You know, my family, not, not and not. And my wife and my kids. Um, you know, I, I waited to get married, and uh, I didn't ever. I, I didn't ever think I was getting married, and because I just I wasn't ready. ever. And then Catherine came in my life, and it was it was awesome. And it's I can't imagine not being a husband and a father. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how I lived any other way. So um, that, that's my purpose every day. That's why I'm, right now in my life, that's my purpose is to, to be the best at those things. Um, long-term goals, obviously, professionally, I'd love to have the opportunity, if it ever comes about, to, to be, you know, uh, in charge of a program, to spearhead, to be the leader of an organization. Um, obviously, that's what your goals and what which, which, which you've worked into, and uh, you've done an awesome job as well um i think that just daily just trying to do my job the best that i can every day and if i can do that and i can come in and be a great teammate every day for our staff for our head coach uh for whatever university and i think this is for coaches in general whatever university you work at uh that that should be the goal daily and that's my purpose every day professionally is to just be the best teammate i could be
1: i like it so i'm switching subjects here a little bit but what advice would you have you know i got four boys man so i'm on a Basketball court or baseball field or something all the time, and, and all of our friends are as well. What advice would you have for parents being an athlete, playing the sports? And I don't ever remember your parents being the ones that were the crazies in the stands, right? And, and maybe they were on the car ride home, but I don't think they were. Um, but what advice would you have that you're seeing travel in the country today? where parents are messing up. So give us some parental advice from an outsider, you know, for some people that have good, good athletes. What advice do you have for us to get the heck out of the way and let the kids be kids but yet – challenge them to be great and do the great things they need to do to be good in sports?
0: You know, the one thing that's really hard for me as a parent is I want to coach my son the same way that I coach guys in our program. And I I I want to be as aggressive and passionate and tough, and I do a poor job of separating the two and understanding that, and I think you just hit on it. The most important thing we have to do as parents is empower the coaches because when I was growing up, the teachers were right. All the time. The coaches Brett. were right all the time. And so when you went home, you, you felt an enormous amount of respect for the coaches and the teachers that were helping you grow on a daily basis. And I think that self will help your kids grow in all areas. Hey, if the coach says it, it's right. Whether you agree with it or not, Brett, that's the way it's got to be. I think with the onset of how visible all sports are now, and you can watch a basketball game any night during during the winter. Right. Any night. It's different. So now there's more experts, right? Now there's more experts on because they, because people watch sports, they feel like they know more. Than the people that study it every day. That'd be like me coming in your office and telling you you didn't know what the heck you were doing on this investment. Well, I I don't know that. Right. I don't know what I don't know your job, or I walk into an operating room and say, oh, doc, wrong bone, fixing. You know what I mean? Like right, right. But 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 because sports is so universal and it, and it, and everybody can touch it, I think there's a lot more experts out there than than there need to be. I think encouraging, stepping away, uh, especially when kids are young is super important. Um, But then empowering the people that are spending their free time, especially when it comes to youth sports, to coach your son, whether it's you, whether it's me, empowering that, that, that individual and saying, hey, if the coach says you're not playing hard enough, you're not playing hard enough. And I think that's what we, I grew up in, you know, my mom would be, my, I'd get in the car after, I'd come home after a basketball game in high school and be like, hey mom, she's like, how come you're missing your free throws? You know, like, <laughs> like. She doesn't know anything right. about basketball, but she knew that free throws were something that you're good at because it's something yeah. that there's no there's no distraction. It's you and, the, and the, they're gone they they free it. for a reason, and that's her quote. Right. So th- that, but she never touched anything else, and that was awesome for me because I got to I got to coach. I didn't have distractions at home, and I was allowed to be coached and coached at a high high level, high level, and pushed to get things out of me I didn't know I had. And I think that if we empower power people in our own home that have an influence on our children. I think that will really, really help the kids grow. That's great advice, man. Because it, it's you know we see it every day: these tournaments and
1: soccer games and basketball. It's it's. Uh, I don't remember the world being as crazy as it is today when we were kids <laughs> playing. And, you know, I played sports my whole life, man. Yep. God, love you yep. for with that stuff. Anyway, um, so let's uh, we'll wind down here on the circuit of success. But I want to ask you just you know, when you when you hear the word attitude, what comes to mind?
0: Um, choice, choice. It's not complex. It's just it's just hard, you know, um, and it takes effort. And you can look around every day and see people that have way less, uh, have things going on in their lives that you don't. They have a smile on their face and they come, they come and bring a great attitude every day. So it's a choice. Um, I You have to I wake up. Yeah. And, that, that when, when, uh, and, I, and I tell you what, man, it's a battle. <laughs> it's a battle for me every day. It's a battle for you, I'm sure, every day. To have a great yes. attitude every day. To not. Diff- it's not complex now because it, because it is what it is. You just have to choose to do that. And uh, my wife will probably laugh. If she listens to this comment because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because you know you know where your attitude gets the worst sometimes is around the people that care about you the most and you care about the most exactly. A- yeah, and, and and that's fine, and that's what marriage is, and that's what relationships are, and that that understanding. But I, that's the only word that comes to mind is choice, man. And uh,
1: I love it. I, that's I start that every time. Attitude is a
0: choice. You, you choose yeah. it every single day. You choose it. So.
1: And it's so line there. it's so
0: overused. So it's so like such an overused expression, but it's so. Correct. And I think people, I think, and I'll I'll stop rambling, but I think every day, I think people try to make things too complex. When life hard, life's hard. Life, life, Life is awesome. It's not hard, but it takes some work. Relationships take work, you know, and if you're willing to work and do things and help other people and be a great teammate, man, you're going to have a, a lifetime of significance and success in my opinion. Yep. What are the uh, top two, three beliefs
1: that Chris Hollander believes you got to do these? Uh, and you've probably seen them in the kids you're recruiting every day. I mean, what are, what are, the, what are the best believe in to be successful every day?
0: Uh, I think go, the truth, telling yep. it, being truthful, being truthful with others, being truthful with yourself. Uh, you ha- you're going to have to sacrifice some things in your life. Uh, especially for yourself, you want to be that type of leader and that type of giver. Um, and then I think just putting your head down and doing the work and and, and getting everything out of every day that you can. Um, you know, when, like a lot of guys that we recruit, man, you, you recruit a lot of different guys. Over the years, I've recruited, man, I've been doing this, this will be 17 years for me, I believe, in Division One. The one thing you kind of get away from, man, is you start talking, you start talking to kids and, and uh, their social is more important than their work. And that scares you a little bit, yep. you know, and I think that if you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to sacrifice some things for yourself, um, those are kind of the things that I kind of lean on daily. So
1: I give you uh $10 million. I give Chris Hollander $10 million tomorrow. You can't, Pay off debt, you can't you know do your normal traditional investing cause that's what everybody would say they'd do those two things, and then the third one they'd say they'd give it to charity so I'm going to take that from you. You can't do those three things. What are you doing with ten million bucks?
0: Oh my gosh <laughs> I, I, i'm 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 gonna sit down for a little bit <laughs> i don't <laughs> Oh, man, that's a tough question. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I don't know. We think can, about it. You can uh, let us know. Yeah, I think um, that's a, – that's a, You know, that's I'm going to say, while you're thinking question. about it real quick, though, I, I would say –
1: it's funny. You just said that. I would sit down. I'm reading a book right now uh, called uh, – I think it's called Get Smart by Brian Tracy. And, and one of the things I just posted on Circuit of Success Instagram was this, these few pages that talked about thinking – and it said there's fast thinking and there's slow thinking. And it said all major decisions that involve your vision and your future. You must slow down to think slowly about this, and so I think what you just said is actually pretty profound. Is I'm going to sit down, right? You're gonna. So you, basically, what you just said <laughs> is I'm going to slow down. So you should write a book called Get Smart. And uh, but that's the point, right? You got to slow down and make the right choices.
0: I like yeah. that. That's a good. That's actually gu- a good answer. I, I, I'm so guilty of that because I mean you know me a long time. I'm an emotional guy, passionate guy, and I I, I have to in my decision making. I think as a parent it's super important, but I think also as a professional in the decision-making on when you're in situations that require your judgment or you're in situations, let's say you're in the interview process. I think a lot of guys make a mistake in the interview process of trying to talk too much and try to explain how much they know and how much that they've been through. And they're trying to impress too much instead of slowing down being more of a listener and, and you're in a decision, make. you got to make decisions on what's next to say and what's the most important. And that goes back to your point. Slowing down is, is key and uh, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it daily. I know I am. I know I speed up too much when there's when things get a little bit uncomfortable or they may be a little bit high pressure that I will speed up to try to fix instead of slow down to try to think and, and adapt and make the right decision. Together. Good stuff. All right, man. So last question for you, Chris. What's
1: uh, life's about experience and uh, you get got this mm-hmm. beautiful family. So what's uh, what's on the top of your bucket list right now?
0: Oh my gosh! Um, this, I, I don't I don't necessarily have a bucket list. I think ultimately, um, ultimately professionally for me would be to lead um, a program uh, in some way. I have a leadership responsibility, yep. to, but, you know, I think we all strive to be a head coach at some point sure. in our career. Um, and I think you work on yourself daily, that that part of it. Um, but, you know, seeing my kids grow, being a, being a part of that, and that, that I can't get off of that because that that is the most important thing for me. And that may be boring and that, that, nope. that may not be exciting, but it's uh, – it's it's what it is, and yep. um, I think I, I want I just I want to live my life in a truthful way and be be great at doing things that people don't see.
1: Yep. And, well,
0: man, I think
1: uh, our listeners will agree with me after hearing you talk for the last however long we've been talking. But uh, I have no doubt, my friend, that you're going to be running a program one day, and you're going to be wildly successful at it. I appreciate I it. I believe it, man. So where can, our, uh, where can our listeners find more of Chris Hollander now? He's the big-time coach at uh, Mizzou, the Mizzou Tigers. Where, we, where can we find more of Chris
0: Hollander? Um, I really uh, – On social you know, media? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I have a Twitter uh, I use it. I don't tweet a lot, and I need to do. I need to be a little bit more active as far as just you know motivational things daily. But my Twitter is at Coach Hollander, and that's about all I have as far as social media goes. Got it. But, um, you know, I, if, if there's any coaches listening, which I don't know if there is, there's a, we have a, a, our little company called Rising Coaches. It's actually not little anymore. It's a growing, it's an awesome, awesome deal that a couple of buddies of mine really started going and I got involved with. Um, risingcoacheselite.com is our, is our website. You can find a bunch of information on there about our conferences, about past speakers, really good content there, notes from our previous seven conferences. Um, From a lot of, I mean, we've had a lot of cool guests, man. We've had everybody from Larry Brown, Matt Painter, uh, Brad Brown. And we've had all kinds of head coaches, and then we've had, you know, assistant coaches and director of opera. I mean, it's 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 a really cool platform for for guys. It's it hasn't really been. We haven't really invested enough time in it for it to be a mainstream thing. But the people that have been around it and and uh, and follow us uh, know how cool it is for for guys that are trying to gain trying to gain ground in the business, trying to grow in the business. Uh, so RisingCoachesElite.com is cool cool website if the coach coaches listening yeah yeah so yeah. we'll put that
1: in the uh we'll put that in the show notes and man did you uh would you have thought 30 years ago when you were? Oh, I'd say you were beating my butt in basketball, but I was probably beating your butt in golf. So we're, we're tied one to one. So we we'll have to find another sport. But did you think 30 years ago we'd be sitting together on a podcast?
0: No, it's first of all there was no such thing. Probably, <laughs> exactly. Years ago. Uh, number one, uh, I, I remember I was I was in college when flip phones came out. You know those those Motorola. Yeah. So like, uh, but it's awesome, man. It's awesome to see what people from where we are from are doing um a lot of people have gone on to do a lot of really cool things nationally yeah i mean we've got national sports writers guys that are very well respected in the sports writing world uh we i mean it's it's it's, it's really cool that uh that a, that a small community like mattoon has um developed so many cool things cool people an awesome an awesome place to live and grow up and then now yep. here we are you know here we are here we, Here are, we man. are.
1: Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast, Chris. I really do, man. I know you're a busy guy, traveling the country and uh, trying to make Mizzou great again, right? We'll use that tag uh, tagline there. But yeah, I know you do a good job, and I have to admit that I'm actually I'm starting to pull a little bit for Mizzou now that you're going to be on the uh, on the sideline there. So, so good luck to you, my friend, and uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. I appreciate it, Brett. Good luck with everything. All right, buddy. Talk to you, you later.